Hey, Kelly. Hi, Gina. So we are back from our mid-season break, and we have kind of a surprise today for listeners because we're really switching it up. So tell us what's about to happen. So for the first time, I am leading the interview, and we're talking with Hillary Holly. And I was not there for this interview. I had to be out of town, and you and Adwa did the whole thing, and um, it's amazing. It turns out that you don't need me. We do need you. Aw, that's so nice. Well, it's a really fantastic interview, and I'm super excited to share it with all of our listeners. Um, So I guess we'll just get into it. I'm Gina Kaysen. I'm Kelly Vines, and this is About South. Today, I'm here with Hillary Hawley, who is the Director of Organizing with Fair Fight. Um, and Fair Fight kind of grew out of the Stacey Abrams gubernatorial campaign in Georgia. Hillary, can you tell us how Fair Fight kind of was founded and how it's connected to the Stacey Abrams campaign? So when Stacey was preparing to run for governor, she always knew there was a possibility that voting rights would be a huge issue in her campaign. So being the brilliant woman that she is, she decided to, um, in coordination with the Democratic Party of Georgia, to establish a voter protection system for the election, which created a hotline. And what the hotline was able to capture from the campaign was thousands and thousands of people's stories um, and the difficulties of them trying to vote, whether it was through registering, getting absentee ballots, standing in a long line, being rejected at the polls, you name it. And so because we had that hotline established, we were able to gather basically evidence for a lawsuit. And so when you know, when Stacy was deciding after election day, to what extent are we gonna, you know, quote unquote, not concede? Cause she still hasn't conceded and never will. What do we do with all this information that we gathered? Um, so what uh, she decided to do was to file a federal lawsuit. And the way that we operate under Stacy's leadership is we run everything um, full force. So we knew we would need to have an organization built around this lawsuit. So that's how Fair Fight was created, to not only bring forth the lawsuit, but to make sure that it remained in the bloodstream of Georgia politics, voting rights, you name it, um, to just help uh, continue the conversation. Uh, it was our ob- and it was our obligation to do so to, for the voters. So we have the governor of Georgia, who is now Brian Kemp, who was at the time of the election the secretary of state overseeing. So can you explain a little bit of the dodgy circumstances that kind of led to this political question? 
Yeah, absolutely. So she had been fighting Brian Kemp as Secretary of State for years. And also through, you know, political rumors, we always, she always knew that there was a chance that he could actually run for governor. And so that's another reason why voting rights and setting up a campaign with anticipation that there could be issues was always, um, she always knew that was going to happen. We have the gubernatorial primaries. Uh, Stacy overwhelmingly wins um, her primary against um, the form- former candidate, Stacey Evans. Brian Kemp, I think I cannot tell you how many candidates there were running um, on the Republican ticket in the primary. Um, however, Brian Kemp ended up going into a runoff with Casey Cagle. Uh, Casey Cagle was more of like the establishment, Nathan Deal, business-friendly Republican, whereas Brian Kemp was the more Trumpian right-wing candidate. And because of the whole political division and the political, you know, heated atmosphere in America, which was also translating in Georgia, we always knew that Brian Kemp had a significant chance to be the candidate. Brian Kemp becomes the candidate, and then we know, like, he's still Secretary of State. So that's when people started questioning, is he going to resign? Is he going to resign? Weeks and weeks and weeks were going by. There was no budge. There's also no state law requiring him to do so. And there still is not one. And the conflict of interest there is that the Georgia Secretary of State is the person who who oversees elections. Correct. Georgia has 159 counties. Each county can run their election how they want to. There is some kind of standard that the state places onto the counties. Um, So sometimes Brian Kim in his office would say, like, oh, it's not our office, it's the counties, it's the counties. The counties run elections, it's not our responsibility, which is a complete bullshit answer. It's it's an excuse, it's a scapegoat. Um, So that's one of the reasons why he was like, no, I'm not resigning. Because at the end of the day, I just make sure that they're being, the elections are being conducted. And therefore, and he can do that while he's on the campaign trail, which is hilarious. So then, Brian Kemp be- becomes a candidate. I want to say mid-August, that's when um, the whole Randolph County scandal happened. And Georgia has a black belt, essentially, in southwest Georgia. Um Black people live all over the state. They do not just live in Atlanta. They do not just live in Metro Atlanta. They live in every single county in Georgia. Especially in Southwest Georgia, there's many counties with majority black um, uh, populations. One being um, Randolph County. The, The house district that Randolph County is in is a majority black house district. We learned, um, through the AP, actually, uh, that they were thinking about closing seven out of the nine polling locations in this county, all being in high, you know, uh, precincts where the majority of the voters were black. Huge issue. So next thing you know, the ACLU, Lawyers Committee, everyone's threatening to sue. They're going to the Board of Elections meeting. Um, and this was actually a difficult time during the campaign, right? Because you want people to go out and vote. So if you tell people, 
voter suppression is real. Look what they're doing in Randolph County. They can do it everywhere. We should care. Will people still feel like coming out to vote? So some, some, there was some theory that we shouldn't talk about voter suppression, right? Um, however, Stacy, being who she is, believes in telling the truth. So she was like, no, we do need to talk about this. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because we then found out there was a consultant who went to this county and suggested you should close these seven out of the nine polling locations. He admitted that he had been recommended to do so by the Secretary of State, which was Brian Kemp. Luckily, because there was huge, I mean, national outrage. This day was wild. Um, The the Randolph County Board of Elections held a meeting where they were going to vote whether or not they should close all these. I go down along with one of our um, comms people, communications people from the party, just to see what are they going to vote. When we got down there, Every news outlet I can think of, including like BBC, was there. It was wild. Um, you know, these people in Randolph County had never thought that the national spotlight would be on them, you know. But luckily, it, the meeting lasted, I think, maybe five minutes. Uh, they decided to keep everything open, which was a huge win. However,. <laughs> The AJC, which is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, like the um, paper of record for the state of Georgia, uh, did an investigation, and we had learned that over the years, Brian Kemp had closed over 200 polling locations. Right. It was absolutely devastating to learn. Uh, But that was just, so that was one instance that we learned about. And then it was always, and then... uh, the news just kept coming and coming. There was an instance uh, there. Brian Kemp implemented this thing called exact match where um, if your name does not match your drive, the name on your driver's license, if it does not match the voter, what's listed in the voter, voter registration system, then you or what you put on the form, right? So if you've hand, if you, fill in a voter registration uh, um, form. If there's an asterisk mark missing and a, a hyphen missing, they'll throw out your voter your your voter registration form. They'll just they'll reject it, or they'll put it on they'll put it to pending. So we learned that there were fifty three thousand voter registration applications being upheld by the Secretary of State's office due to exact match. One thing that I I want listeners to understand, this is one of the big this is one of the first and most important elections Georgia had seen since the Voting Rights Act had been gutted. The Voting Rights Act being the you know, the bill that Martin Luther King Jr. got passed during the civil rights movement, which mandated um that if 
certain states that have a terrible history of racism and voter suppression, if they want to make any changes, you have to clear it by the Department of Justice. The Supreme Court ruled that this racism is pretty much over, so therefore these states no longer need to get approval from the Department of Justice. Brian Kemp then went in and implemented exact match. He started purging people. Like, Brian Kemp took sole advantage because he didn't have to ask permission anymore. And so exact match had actually, the Department of Justice said that exact match, you can't do it. But then when the Voting Rights Act was gutted, he went to the Georgia, and then after a you know, they told him he couldn't do it. He then went to the Georgia legislator and got a bill passed to at least make it legal under state law to do so. We have all of this happening before the election even takes place, right? Yes. So Fair Fight, after the election, filed a lawsuit against the Georgia Secretary of State's office and its Board of Elections just a few weeks after this election happened. Mm -hmm. Um, How exactly is the voting system in Georgia broken? And what can we do as citizens and through Fair Fight to kind of um, to help repair it? Georgia's election system is broken, A, because we no longer have the Voting Rights Act, so literally they could break it. So not like, so the system has always been messed up, but once the Voting Rights Act was gutted, it gave them a chance to act, to dismantle it even more than it already was, right? Two, another reason why Georgia's election system is completely broken is because, like I said earlier, Georgia has 159 democracies, essentially. So what we are trying to get the courts to decide is, A, anytime a Secretary of State tries to do anything in the state regarding voting rights, they need to get cleared from the Department of Justice. We're trying to reinstate the voting right. We're trying to get pre-clearance back, bailed back into the Voting Rights Act, which is huge. No state has done this yet. So we are successful, and I think we are, because we have evidence. And like I said, Georgia has 159 counties, so we're also asking the judge to mandate that the Secretary of State's office actually oversees the elections, meaning you need to make sure people are trained. The poll workers are trained, make sure the Board of Elections have the resources that they need to adequately conduct an election, have standards, literally just implement fucking standards, because they don't even, they don't do that right now. So that's why essentially the election system is broken, and that's not even talking about these crazy machines that they have people voting on. These machines that break down, people's votes flip. From Stacy to Kemp, there was probably some some that went from Kemp to Stacy because the machines are just crazy. Like like they're they're just completely unreliable. So that's um, how it's broken. However, there are many ways to fix it. Right, that's not just through litigation. So fair fight, we we're fighting on three fronts. The first one, obviously, our, lit- our litigation. We filed our. Uh, lawsuit trying to remedy a lot of the things that are broken and then two making sure that they don't try to pass any terrible laws in the Georgia legislature that would roll back voting rights so for instance like 
if they wanted, they could roll back um, who can vote absentee. You know, like they, they can just implement little laws like that. And then three, you teaching people how to advocate at the board of elections because the one good thing is you can make a lot of, the board of elections actually do have a lot of say. So they can determine early vote hours. How many polling locations do we have? Um, how many machines each precinct gets? So what we're doing is trying to help um, get Board of Elections in all these different counties uh, take voting rights seriously and make sure that they're expanding access. And so what people can do is, you know, one, help financially, because all this is really expensive. Fair Fight has a bajillion projects. I haven't even started talking about, like, our PAC work. Uh, this is just, like, voting rights. It's all connected to voting rights, but this is, like, advocacy work that I'm talking about. And then, two, signing up. And basically what we do, and this is my job, is... You can sign up. We have your zip code. We have your email, phone number, whatever. We a lot. We work with a lot of voting rights organizations around the state. So we get intel from all these different counties, whether it's from an organization or our volunteers. Hey, I went to my board of elections meeting today, and I heard this. They bring it up to me, and the next thing you know, I can call in attorneys, or I can send people to the next board of elections meeting and demand that they stop whatever they're doing, right? Like... And so what I do is I take all of our volunteers, I train them, and I help them advocate in their communities because they know what's best. So what we can do is if you want to volunteer for us, let's say in the 2019 elections, we're going to need poll watchers. We can then be like, okay, if you're interested in helping the 2019 elections, you should, we, are you okay with us sending you over to the Democratic Party of Georgia because you can sign up to be a poll watcher and you can actually document things, watch the way it's being conducted and report any, you know, any interesting, strange or just downright illegal things that you see happening. I want to share, like, this is when Voter Suppression got personal for me. It was like day two. So, okay, if you go to vote, the poll worker is, and there's some issue. They're like, oh, I don't see your name, blah, blah, blah. They're supposed to give you a provisional ballot. So you fill it out. It's like a paper ballot. You vote who you are. You vote who you want. And then you have three days to then go back to the Board of Elections office to remedy whatever the issue was, right? Which is problematic because some people just can't get off work again to go vote, to make sure their vote counted. But provisional ballots need to be in place. Because things happen, right? So anyway, we we had an un, a historical amount of provisional ballots given out in 2018 because of voter suppression and because Brian Kemp was just the worst, the complete worst. So we had a provisional ballot chase. So we turned our field program 
into a provisional ballot chase. So we would go, we so we would get the list from each county, which looked wild, each, because each county can do whatever they want. So the the list looked different. They were handwritten. You can't read people's handwriting. So, and our data team got all 159 counties provisional ballot list. So then we could look up their name, see if we know where they live, and then go call them or knock on their door and be like, "You have three days to make sure your vote is counted." We did that across. We did that across the entire state. It was hectic. Anyways, so we're on day two of this chase. I worked in communications. I'm in this small conference room. We have glass windows. We are host. We're hosting our first press conference. So there's literally reporters like running in. We have stuff on the whiteboards, laptops. So our interns are like boarding up our glass windows so people couldn't see our, you know, our work. And so anyway, so it's like, I'm getting claustrophobic. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're getting boxed in. And then my dad calls. And I hadn't talked to them in days. They're probably like, are you eating? Are you alive? You know, so I'm okay. And it was weird because my dad works like nine to five. And this was like in the middle of the day. So I'm like, okay, let me see if he's, if he's okay. He's like, Hillary, there are people from your campaign knocking on everyone's door saying that their vote might not count. And I was like, yeah, we're chasing provisional ballots. That must mean that everyone, all the doors that they're knocking on, that means that they got a provisional ballot. And my dad was like, Hillary, that can't be true because they're going to almost every single door. And I said, Dad, <laughs> that's the way voter suppression is. I said, who, who lives in our neighborhood? Immigrants and black people, you know, black and brown people live in our neighborhood. And so he was like, what are you? And eventually I had to get off the phone because like we had work to do. And my dad was like, okay, well, people aren't home. So I'm just going to try to go back and make sure they know whatever. Literally, I hang up the phone with my dad. Literally 10 minutes later, our data person comes in. So I grew up in Gwinnett County, which is one of the most diverse counties in the state. So 10 minutes later, our data guy calls me and some other folks into our campaign manager's office because he had taken the map of DeKalb County, which is a black, a very black county, and Gwinnett. And each person that got in provisional ballot, he put a dot where they live. So we, we got to have a visual of provisional ballots for the first time. And there were clusters of dots in all the black neighborhoods in these, or black and brown neighborhoods in these counties. And there was a cluster over Lawrenceville, Georgia, which is where I'm from. So that at that moment, I took my dad's, you know, call and then got to see the data represent that he wasn't exaggerating, you know, and um, and I remember I looked at the screen and I was like, oh, my God, my dad just called me and told me this is what was happening. And then my coworkers watched me process it because a lot of my coworkers, like some of them are from Georgia, but some of them were from D.C. and coming to help. Right. I was like the Georgian of the people who were in this room at the time. And so they saw me process that Brian Kemp targeted my neighborhood. It became personal. Yeah. When you could see on a map and hear from your father mm -hmm. that they're targeting basically you, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. your family and your community is being like 
is being systematically disenfranchised by the Secretary of State's office. And that's why we're taking our affidavit collection so seriously, because we want the judge to literally experience what I did. So, right, the judge will get, he'll get to listen to all the data experts and all the data testimony, but we want those stories to be like, this is what it looks like. These are how these people felt. Because mm-hmm. when we when, when people give us their stories, it's not just, oh, this is what happened. It's not like, it's like, how did that make you feel? And these, and we released 200 of them. You can find them. We released 200 of them. They're public. We redacted it for like security reasons, but because we want the world to know this shit is personal when you steal someone's right to vote. I don't know a single person who voted in the state of Georgia, especially in DeKalb County, especially in Gwinnett County, especially in Fulton County, who didn't have a story of something that they experienced personally or something that they witnessed happening at the polling location. It's just, I can't express from a personal point of view how completely ubiquitous this voting irregularity was in the in the governor's race. I can't overstate how many stories I saw of my friends who were trying to vote and were who were being systematically disenfranchised by the Secretary of State's office. Yes, what you are saying, every Georgian says. It's impossible to have lived through the 2018 election in Georgia and not know that there was some shady shit happening. It's just a little overwhelming to find out the depth and breadth of how systemic it was planned and crafted to disenfranchise voters in Georgia. And that's why, under Stacey's leadership, why we're doing what we're doing. There was a huge push for her to run for Senate, run for president. She said no to both. Because this is, this fight is, it's a huge fight fight i mean i we could keep talking about this for five more hours right so she was like this is this is my place is to bring awareness to this because it's not that we're just talking about how fucked up the system is right we're also talking like we also make sure we say yes these are all the issues but here's how you can check right so we're i'm over here explaining to you all all the fucked up things but i'm also like but you can do this so and that's always very intentional because i want people to know like yes it's systemic but we can overcome it it just takes a lot of fucking work which is ridiculous it should not be this hard to vote at all it can feel like oh this is really isolated this is just an irregularity at my polling location or this is just something that is going that is going wrong here. It's not happening to anybody who isn't me, right? Or who 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 doesn't vote at this polling location. But what we saw is that it's happening everywhere, all over Georgia. So we have, I think, fair fight action, fair count and Fair Fight 2020 that have all been launched in the wake of the 2018 election. What are the differences between them and what are the kind of goals of each one? So Fair Fight 2020 lives under Fair Fight. 
Okay, it's like a it's like a project that lives in Fair Fight. So, Fair Fight is our lawsuit. Fair Fight twenty twenty, and then advocacy in for voting rights in Georgia. Right. So Fair Fight twenty twenty. Basically, what we're doing is because the Democratic Party of Georgia had a voter protection system in place, we were able to catch all the shit. And we actually was able to stop a lot of it. We we were able to help people remedy their votes. Like, okay, you don't know where to go, call us, we'll tell you where to go. Because they close your, your, they close your polling location, right? So anyways, what we're doing is we're taking our model and we're going into 20 states and being like, this is what a voter protection system looks like. And not only are we giving them advice, but we're also taking in what they see, right? So what happens is our Fair Fight 2020 team will go to a state and sit down with that state party, the state Democratic Party, and be like, tell us what are the biggest issues with voting in your state? And then they talk it out. And then we also have like a legal legal advisor. He'll do all the research into their laws. And then he'll come to be like, okay, these are the most problematic laws that we see. Do you agree? Sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they're like, oh, I've never. Oh, well, yeah, we always knew that existed. But we're like, but this is voter suppression. So sometimes it's like an educational moment with them. But anyways, we help them. We're helping them establish a voter protection system now. Because if you wait until August 2020, you're too fucking late. Fair Count is a 501c3. Fair Fight and Fair Count are completely different organizations. Stacy just founded both of them. Fair Count is census work, period. It has does not do voting rights work. It's making sure that everybody in Georgia is counted for the census. So the census is important because it dictates how much federal money the state and your community gets. So for instance, if you have a child who is not counted in the census, that means that your child, like each child gets X amount of money, the school gets X amount of money for each child. If that child is not counted, the the federal government doesn't know that your child goes there, so they won't get those funds. So a lot of times when schools are underfunded, sometimes it is because this there was a low count in that last census. So we have to be counted because that's how we get transportation funds, um, anything that the federal government budgets for is based on, and how they allocate the money is based on the census. So to kind of wrap up, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about the doom and gloom that was the 2018 election. Obviously, following on the tails of the 2016 election, which was even, which was also a devastating event in the liberal politics of the nation. Um, but the truth is, is that even with voter suppression, officially Stacey Abrams came pretty damn close to beating Brian Kemp, even with the cards stacked so heavily against her. So how do you think that um, Stacey Abrams' campaign um, and Fair Fight are all working to influence the political future of Georgia? And how do you see the 
political future of Georgia. Do you see any hope in this? I have so much hope for Georgia. Uh, After Stacey's speech, I literally got a one-way ticket to another state. And at one point, I was like, I'm not fucking going back. I've never lived outside of the state. Now's the time. I give up. Literally 24 hours later, I'm like, bitch, go back. So I'm back, right? So anyways, I have a lot of hope. Stacey's campaign, Stacey ignited a fire. Um, And that's literally why we're still here, because we we lit a fire that has to stay burning. Um... That's why I think people are so engaged. People are ready to keep fighting. They're ready to canvas for all these candidates that we're about to have. We're about to have two U.S. Senate races. Georgia is now the number one battleground state in the country. So we're about to start seeing organizations coming down, money. How many presidential candidates have been to Georgia? And is it 2019? We have a whole entire year until one of them might be running for president, like might be the nominee. And the majority of them have been here at least one time. <laughs> that they would not be doing that if there was no hope in the state of Georgia. We have the numbers, we have the engagement, we have the grassroots ready to go, we have the boots on the ground. Um, we have Stacy leading us in our to make sure that whoever these candidates are, they have a fair chance of winning. Um, I feel really good about it. Stacy may not be our governor, but one thing that we did do, we picked up 12 seats in the state legislature. That's huge. We need to pick up 16 more, and we now, Democrats will then uh, have the majority in the Georgia State House. So there is so, there's so much hope uh, and that's that's why when I do get sleep, it's because I still have that hope. You know, like we go to sleep and we wake up, and sometimes I'm tired, but I'm like, George is fucking ready. And FYI, we did win. We didn't come close. We fucking did it. And we'll just have to do it again. That's our episode for this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Hillary Hawley and everyone at the Fair Fight team. Thanks also to Stacey Abrams for fighting on behalf of voters everywhere. This week, About South is brought to you from East Atlanta Village. Brian Horton provides our music. Adva Danzo produced this episode. Gina Kaysen is our fearless leader, and Jessica Parker is joining us this season as an assistant producer. Next week, Gina Kaysen will be returning as your host, and she's interviewing Kalinda Lee with the Atlanta History Center. Until then, be kind and keep fighting. We knew early on that there was no fucking way Stacey would concede on election day.
there was no there was no way because it just wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't and uh it wouldn't be fair to to georgians georgians deserve to have someone fight and so that's what we did for 10 days and now we're in september and we're still doing it Mm -hmm.